What's up, everybody? This is I am Joshua. Well, that is my name after all. Anyway, what's up? How is everyone doing? We are live on the Live Mono Worldwide Network and uh, so blessed to have you guys all here today. I'm really, really excited about the guests that we have coming up and uh, you guys are in for a treat. Um, I, as you guys know, I've kind of gotten my feet wet a little bit in the world of filmmaking, but I'm fascinated by everybody that has been doing it for a long time. I'm I kind of fell into everything and I don't really know what I'm doing just yet, but uh, by the grace of God, I'm learning on the fly and it's been an amazing experience and it's been so cool to, in my own experience, to have help and support um, along the way. So I'm really excited about our guests, especially people that are making, I'm gonna be honest with you, kind of like with Christian music, like Christian music for a long time up until Hillsong and Bethel and People like that started putting out Christian music. Christian music was pretty lame. You know what? The same goes with Christian films. Christian movies are awful. They just are. Like, I'm sure that some people love Fireproof, and I don't want to knock on anything, but for some reason, we never get the same quality of film. We never get the dynamic storytelling. It's just so generic. And the clips that I've seen of this film, I have not had the opportunity to watch it yet, but the clips I've seen so far... I love the outside of the box approach. I mean, this film has every review I've read. It's been like amazing, mind blowing, transcending. Like I love to see this. I love people that are pushing the envelope because the fact is this, media matters. Media, think about how our minds are controlled right now. Think about what the media is feeding us. We don't know if anything's true or not. Some people believe the news, I sure as heck don't. But the fact is, media has huge influence on our life. Social media, print media, uh, media that from the cable news, but even movies and TV shows have a way of programming our thoughts. So why is it that no one is coming out with a real powerful Christian film? I know there's some new ones coming out. I love seeing this trend, but it's so exciting to me to see Christian filmmakers push the envelope, take risk, and also do really good, create really powerful content because it matters. And the fact is this, what good is a Christian film if it's just going to preach to the converted? The converted, forgive me, you don't matter as much. We're going after the lost sheep. So with through filmmaking, through TV shows, through broadcasts like this, we are aiming to reach the hearts of the people that are lost, the lost sheep. And I'm really excited to have our guest, Mr. Jerry Thompson on I Am Joshua. Ladies and gentlemen, please say hi. It's Jerry Thompson. How you doing, sir? Really good, Joshua. That was quite an introduction. I hope I can live up to it. 
Well, I am blessed to have you here, man, and uh, it's an absolute pleasure. How's your day going today? Very good. I went to a men's Bible study at uh, 7 and uh, got back and doing other things with a new movie, but we won't talk about that new movie. <laughs> so at least, uh, well, you're the moderator, so we'll see what you want to talk about. Yeah, and I never know what I'm going to say, so this could get unpredictable quick. Uh, <laughs> so what? now first things first, you're in Oregon, correct? Yes, Eugene, Oregon. What, now, did you, Ducks. so going up in Oregon, what would get you into film? Because, I mean, I'm thinking, you know, typically when people think of filmmaking and people that have a passion for creating films, they think Los Angeles and Hollywood, not Eugene, Oregon. Where did you get inspired to get into film? Uh, actually, uh, it's a long story. I thought I was going to get into coaching sports, which I did early in life as a teenager. But uh, I became a Christian in 1970 in the Jesus Movement. And then I went to Eugene Bible College, was asked to be a yearbook editor. I said, this is crazy. I don't want to be a yearbook editor, but I did. And so it's, it's starting with nothing and creating something and telling a story. So then uh, I really got into the, watching the 700 Club, and I became the first class to ever go to Pat Robertson's CBN University, which is now Regent University, which is making quite an impact, you know, famous people who've gone sure. there. And so that's where I really got into it. I went into it thinking of radio, but took TV class and film class, and I got hooked on that. And make a long story short, after two years graduating, a film company in Medford, Oregon, of all places, which is 150 miles from Eugene, south, did this uh, film, Windwalker, American Indian film. And it got uh, two thumbs up from Siskel and Ebert. I was a publicity guy for it, but it got in my blood. I mean, because I made some stuff in, in graduate school, too. And so just did a lot of, I've done quite a few things after that. So that's the nutshell of it. I want to go back to what you were saying about the Christian movement. What do you mean by that? I, I, I don't really understand what that is. The Jesus movement? Yeah. Okay, that was back in the Vietnam War days, uh, into the 60s, early 70s. And a lot of people say it kind of happened out of Costa Mesa with Chuck Smith. And uh, a lot of music came out of there, love song, all these groups. Um, so it, the Jesus movement was headlines on, on Time Magazine, Newsweek, and all that. So I was part of that wave, you might say. I grew up as an, basically an atheist, an agnostic, no church experience, except for two or three times, which was boring it can be. And I just knew, I can't believe right now that I'm a Christian. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to believe the journey that I became a Christian and uh, involved so much in the the Christian community and everything Sure. Uh, since I thought that was the last thing I would be involved in. What was the breaking point for you? Typically finding Jesus comes at a moment of despair. What was your moment? It wasn't so much despair. It was just the offer of eternal life. I'd been searching uh, reincarnation stuff, Edgar Casey, all this about, uh, and actually it was an accident that happened when I was uh, 12 years old. Our family all could have been killed in a car wreck. So it took, from age 12 to about 17, 18, I was just kind of searching for the truth and what really would have happened if we had died in that car wreck. So that was kind of the, the initial turning point. And then just lit it, this literature, it was a, it was a uh, radical Christian group from Berkeley, California. They didn't, nothing was like the Bible that they wrote. I mean, they, it was in street language. So they explained the, go the good news, the gospel. And then I read some Campus Crusade for Christ stuff that was on the University of Oregon campus the epitome of liberalism, basically. And uh, there, I just was challenged. Well, heck, what I got to lose, ask him into my life, and, and if he's real. I mean, I was usually the, the pitch, you know. If, well, even if you don't believe, just ask and see. And, and then it happened not too gradually, about two or three months. I was totally then filled with the Holy Spirit and loved with Jesus, and that was my life, you know. Wow. So in going into filmmaking, what was the thing, I mean, were you always led to make Christian films or were you tempted to go the secular route because that's the way that was generating the most revenue? Um, I was pretty much message oriented to Christian film, although I have done a, a documentary on Oregon football because I'm a big University of Oregon Duck fan and was manager of the football team when I was at the University of Oregon. I was there for two years and went to Eugene Bible College. Mm. So uh, I've, I've done both, but my main heart is in 
the message. We did an evolution creation. I did a, a film called God on Trial, which challenged every how can a good God allow suffering? It's a dramatic film. And so that's what I've been doing. But, you know, financially, it's a struggle. So I was doing other things just with the family and everything. I couldn't devote myself totally to that. Sure. Why do you think film, like filmmaking and even Christian music, up until recently, has been low budget as far as the getting investments? And, you know, they're kind of cheesy. It's kind of like maybe C actors and why why do you think it's taken so long for people to start investing you know bigger money having bigger budget christian films that's kind of a tough question because like one of the best christian films i've ever seen was billy graham's hiding place i don't know if you ever saw that no sir World War, pardon me no sir i haven't uh corey tim boom who was in a german concentration camp uh, hiding jew uh hiding jewish people i thought that was first-rate film so that's kind of a why that was back in 1977 i don't know why it took so long to do that although i just think it's kind of like this movie translated it's kind of a criticism of the church like um it, i i really can't answer that question for you i'm sure. sorry i wish i could no that's okay i mean it, it was really more of an opinion because i i look at it and i look at like the passion of the christ i think which was 10 years ago maybe 15 years ago and that was a smashing success in the secular world. I don't know why it appealed to the secular world so much, but, you know, that was such a huge hit. Like, I would have always assumed that you feed the – I mean, you think about politicians. They're always trying to cater to the evangelist. They want the evangelistic vote. Why not do the same thing with film and music too? But that's a whole other thing. Well, before I don't, we What's it, confusing to me – what's confusing me to answer your question, I mean, a lot of people come out of – from the Jesus movement and becoming, they weren't a Christian, they lived a different lifestyle, but they seem to forget how they were thinking before that. I try to put myself in the place of my doubts and what, all the skepticism that I had sure. and try to put myself in a place of an audience that doesn't believe any of this stuff. And it's actually, this whole message is, is like outrageous that there's, you can talk to a living God. I mean, <laughs> give me a break. That's either, that's Santa Claus stuff. But the amazing thing is it's true. And so you have to really be sensitive to the audience and not just, you know, altar calls in the middle of the movie and all this, and or ending it with an altar call and all this stuff. It's, you can go to church and do that. I'm not putting down churches. I'm just saying that's the best explanation. I, can, I don't think people have been sensitive enough to their audience. Mm, I think that's powerful. I like that. Let's, um, let's, show, let's show a clip of the film, if you don't mind. No. I'm excited about this. Whoop. Sorry about that. On the road, you never know what a day they bring. Who's that old guy in the rope over there? I can find out. I wonder where he came from. Well, you just got off the hill. You had to see him. No, I didn't. It's weird. I don't think Richard's going to be able to help this thing. Why does he have to like when I've seen the TV before? I'm saying that the Hebrew that he's speaking is actually ancient biblical Hebrew. And what was that ancient man? It's just such a mystery. I guess I want to solve it. Based on what you've told me, I believe he has what's called delusions of grandeur. I met with a local man who claims to be a time traveler. Okay. He is an actor. He can win an Oscar as far as I'm concerned. All this time. All this time. And they haven't learned yet. Sorry, guys. Too late. We got an exclusive. Right now, I'm not putting you under arrest. I'm still amazed that one small surprise led to so many lives being changed forever. Yeah. That is so cool. <laughs> is, Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you think that. How do you feel when you see those reviews on your film? Oh, I, it's just so 
affirming of what, you know, because you start with nothing. You start with an idea of the Apostle Paul coming to our time. That's who that was, if people didn't gather that. And then you just start writing, and then, you know, we have a premiere with all, you know, with a theater of two or three hundred people, and you're just wondering, are they going to laugh? Are they going to, what are they going to, motions of people, they, they laugh, they cried. I mean, it's just so satisfying that they got the message too, the main message of the movie. So it's, it's and, it, and then the lives that have been changed or touched by this is, of course, the most satisfying. Sure. Money's satisfying too, but but the lives that are changed, the testimonies are, you know, it's beyond my expectations, really. Do you ever feel, and this is a completely random question, but do you ever feel like we're living in a new New Testament? Well, I do now in the last few months. <laughs> yeah, me too. I mean, the message of the movie is Apostle Paul comes here and he's questioning why are all these denominations, what are these, all these denominations, why are pe people never meeting together, hardly ever together as a body of Christ? That's one of the main messages of the movie. And, and that's a nutshell, what Jesus said right before his arrest. He said, if he prays that they would all be one, his followers, and those who believe in Peter, James, and John, that they, and that's us, that we'd all be one. Right. He said, and then here was the critical thing for this movie for me was, and then the world will know that the Father sent me. This is evangelism. It's not, it's part of that is when you see Christians as one. So to answer your question, I mean, there's statues of Jesus being torn down. There's churches that are, we had a church that was threatened by Antifa here in Eugene of, uh, about a month. Um, all these things happening, it's just takes, taking off the, the churchianity, and now it's the New Testament Christianity that looks like could happen because uh, we're being challenged. And you kind of like the wheat and the chaff will be separated. What, what, who, what is your life really about? Does that answer your question? Or? Yeah, well, it answers my question, and it leads me to this question. What has been, since COVID, what has been the biggest thing that you've learned since this pandemic or pandemic started like what's been the biggest takeaway for you not to get not let your anger not to i, I get angry at the lack of truth by a particular party <laughs> and to bite my tongue and to pray for them and try to understand the other person's point of view mm -hmm. um that's just one thing that it, on the top of my head, I didn't know what the question was going to be, but um, you, I, you can't, and there's, there's a lot of temptation to overreact and to be upset at the lies and the, and the violence and all this thing and then blaming it on somebody who's even inciting the violence. It's just, and of course, we're near, I'm near a hundred miles from Portland, Oregon. So that's a big deal, but I, you know, it just shows you, I'm not going to go in there and be part of a Trump rally. If, if I am, was even that going to be that, you, you might get shot. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it's not worth it. No, it, it, it's not. I, I find myself getting caught up in wanting to deliver truth as I know it with small T truth, not the big T truth, which is Jesus. But I get yeah. caught up in like I can see the pattern laying out going, they're lying. Like they're blatantly lot do they think we're that dumb the truth is yes they do think we're that dumb and it's i i've had to i got so caught up in it a couple times that it took me to a really dark place that affected my walk with the lord and that's kind of what i was getting at yeah you have to kind of stay try to stay above that and just say what can i do in the harvest yes and what's my niche now if he's got something for me to say politically okay but i don't think that's really going to be the the deal <laughs> no i and for me i for know me, that that's not where to go <laughs> yeah because and the and the sad thing is too is that we're going to offend people we care about when we make those take those political stances because they believe the way they believe for a reason and who am i to tell them that they're wrong you know and that's kind of what it's turned into where everyone's wrong for their opinions and you know, in the end, right now, the only thing I think that matters is the truth and what the and what God says about us and what God's promises are for us. 
And for me personally, I've had to just go, okay, I'm going to take all of this energy that I want to put into, you know, waking people up to trying to do good in the world and to spread love and be an example of Christ, not beat everybody over the head with my opinions about what's really going on in the world. And, but I do think we can't put our head into the sand. We do need to, I mean, my particular, I start with pro-life is how I vote. So I, I'm not saying, I do think Christians need to turn out and vote and vote for the issues that are consistent with the Bible. But I mean, no candidate is going to be all the way consistent. But um, I do, I, you know, I don't, like I say, put my head in the sand. I still want to be involved. But you think of the people who, just totally hate one candidate and you hate the other, they're mostly all usually good people. So you have to think what is causing this, you know, this emotion that usually is not shown. Yeah. It's a different world we live in now. So going back to filmmaking, where do you draw your inspiration for the projects you take on? Oh, it's just, I mean, you know, the spiritual thing is say it's from the Lord, which I believe, but as far as it's a lot of times something for this one, for translated, it was just looking at the church being going to many different churches over the years and just saying, really, this is what it's all about. Um, so the inspiration sometimes comes from what I see as a need. Sure. I was taught at CBN University Regent now is just when you're, you look for a need, and so, I mean, I'm glad that the what I saw as a need was being felt by a lot of other people, too. Yes, sir. We have a scene in the movie where the Apostle Paul says, show me the church of Eugene. And we go down 18th Street, and there's about 15 or 20 churches, and he says, and then when they end up at a track stadium, a historic Hayward Field, where the Olympic trials are held, he says, well, is this where they all meet? And then he says, his friend Tim says, no, they really don't ever meet at all. I mean, you can't believe it. You know, the church of Christ, the, the body of Christ isn't meeting as one. Now, I know that the, the Pentecostal, the Baptist, the Catholics, Seventh-day, all these are not going to all become one denomination. But I, with encouragement, is to meet together at least two or three times a year. And, and there's so many, see, the body of Christ doesn't even know what the body of Christ is doing in Eugene, let alone everywhere else. There's so many testimonies here of what God has done. The living God is doing things, but we're, it's so divided. Everybody's building their little kingdom and they're doing it from a sincere heart. I think these pastors are all sincere. I mean, 90% of them for sure, but you know, the money's involved and in trying to keep it going and all these things kind of gets in the way. I think we have so many talented people, musicians, and you don't need to have hire Toby Mac or all these other people who are great people There's enough right here in the, to understand what God is doing in your area. That's kind of, that's where my inspiration came for this one. Besides just the fun of what would the apostle Paul, how am I going to get him here from the first century? And, uh, and then what would he think? And it's, I know a new York times bestselling author. I was surprised when he said he doesn't usually know how, what's going to happen next in his book. And I kind of found that in writing this, that I had the characters, but then I kind of, you know, what are they going to, how are they going to react here? And there was kind of fun doing that. Uh, so that's, that's my inspiration of just seeing a need is what I felt was a need anyway. I love that. Did you learn anything about Paul that you didn't know? Like all of your, your, your years following the Lord, when you created this film, did you learn something about Paul you didn't know before? Well, you're asking some questions that I wasn't expecting. That's a good question. Uh, I'll probably think of it later, but, um, <laughs> you know, the tendency, I did have an ending. Now, that doesn't answer your question. Uh, <laughs> I had a, I changed the ending because it was too violent. Let's put it that way. It's not giving too much away on the film. Um, I think what, it, in the portrayal of Paul that I see, I have him more, the first Corinthians 13 love chapter, Paul, rather than the guy who's getting uh, beaten, <laughs> you know, five times with uh, 39 stripes and all that. He does confront things, but not quite the way, uh, you know, some people think he's a, you know, he's a zealot just because he got saved basically. And I guess that's true. 
Uh, I'll think of it later, I know. Uh, I think I'm just the, the kinder, gentler Paul is what I portrayed. Although yeah. there is, I, I knew there had to be an edge to him too. And there isn't, and, and there's some scenes where he, that comes out. Yeah, I, I, one of the things that I learned because Paul always confused me in the Bible and he's obviously so important to the Bible, but it confused me because there was times it felt like he contradicted himself and my pastor, uh, who I'm blessed to be under the covering of, he said, that's showing Paul's progression and growth. He's showing that to show you that you're gonna go through a progression and growth. What's true to you, what's right for you at one time, you're gonna grow out of. And when he told me that, it changed my whole perspective and it gave me a whole new appreciation for Paul. Because there was times I would thought, why is Paul the main guy here? Like, what's going on? Why is he the main writer? And I didn't understand that so much of it had to do with his growth and his evolution over time. And I really appreciated that about him. Yeah, and I've been satisfied that so many different people have said, this is what I would imagine Paul to be like. Oh, that's that's cool. one of the most satisfying things, not just the look. He's Jewish, the actor's Jewish, mm -hmm. lived in Israel for 10 years, grew up in San Francisco and, and, went, and lived in LA, but spent 10 years in Israel and so, you know, I think that provided uh, more authenticity. Just, I, I had this one, it's a long story because so I can't tell, but I had this guy I thought was perfect. First person I thought was gonna slam dunk, gonna be Paul, but then he turned it down. And uh, I thought, oh, and I thought, well, if I had millions and millions of dollars, who would I choose to be the Apostle Paul? And I thought, Dustin Hoffman. Ooh. Kind of short, kind of, he can, of course, a great actor. Sure. And of course, I'm not going to get Dustin Hoffman. So I went through all these talent agencies again and looked at all these mugshots. And bingo, there was a guy who, in his mugshot at least, looked like the Apostle Paul. I mean, uh, Dustin Hoffman, I'm sorry. So I called him up. He lived in Portland. And he he wasn't real concerned about the script. He said, I, I like to make money and I love to act. <laughs> but he's a great guy, too. I'm not, he's not just a surface level guy. There's, he's a very kind person. And, so it was, and, there, and there's kind of a, I can't give away some things about him in real life that are really quite interesting. I wish I could, but it kind of, it would taint, taint people watching the movie, I think. So do you care if we take a couple questions from the audience? No problem. Yeah. All right. Love Jessica it. says, why do you soften parts of the film? Do you worry that Christians won't like it if it's too violent? Uh. There's some there's some things in there that are that are violent. There's things I softened it just because of the particular ending deal dealt with Paul speaking out about Islam and that he was actually going to be beheaded again by ISIS. <laughs> oh my god! And yeah, the actor one of the actors said, ah, "I don't think I want to do that." Not the Apostle Paul, but somebody else. And then and then there's actually you think, well, I might be endangering some people if I do that, you know. So yeah, I, that's a good question you're asking. I think there's enough edge there that we show Paul, he's not an ambi-bambi or anything. Mm -hmm. no, and I don't think, no, I don't think there's anything wrong with violence in a movie. On this one, here he winds up, you know, the, the funny thing is, was how we're gonna get it, where's he gonna wind up? And because I'm shooting in Oregon, smaller budget. So I thought, well, he, the tradition says he was beheaded in Rome. So we show at the beginning him about to be beheaded in Rome uh, where's he going to go in Oregon? Well, there's a Damascus, Oregon, you know, road to Damascus, Paul. But I went up there and looked at it. And, ah, this is going to be a bunch of red tape. And so I went home. I grew up all in the state of Oregon all my life, Oregonian. And I Googled, is there a Rome, Oregon? And there was. And so he went from Rome, Italy, and 2,000 years ahead to Rome, Oregon, which a town of like 20 people. And it just turned out to be a great and a truck driver picks him up. He's a homeless man. He's bewildered, has no idea what's happened to him. So it all worked out. I feel pretty, pretty good that way. But I didn't No, I didn't want to get into Paul causing a uh, disruption like uh, in at or, uh, Ephesus and things like that. It just would have taken too much more. It would have gotten it got away from the main message. And that's what people were telling me. I really liked that ending. I liked the ISIS thing and him being kidnapped and the action and all that 
what they said. I really think that was going to take away from the main message too much. So I listened. That's uh, interesting. I'm not disappointed at this point. Yeah, they're, um, we're currently making a film too, and there, Islam plays a massive role in what we're doing. So it's, it's interesting to hear you talk about that. The other question was... Um, I don't know if that answered her question. In it, well. I, I believe it answered it perfectly. Um, I want to. So do you find the balance of appealing to believers versus non-believers tricky? No, I don't think so. I, especially in America, I think people have heard the message. Mm. Um, this is basically centered more towards believers, you know, because this is the what are you doing as a body of Christ? But I, having been raised a non-believer and been, I am sensitive and I try to appeal to that to think of what sure. they would do. Um, so anyway, uh, I don't think it was too tricky for me. I don't sound arrogant. I just didn't think it was that tricky. Yeah, I think, and that just, I think that's more of a testament to where you are in your faith and your walk and why you do what you do and what's your, your, your being obedient to what you're called to do. Um, well, another thing is I, I give the actors a lot of leeway on their, the conversation and how they, you know, what I write is not the exact they say and put it in their own words and, if they, and letting them change some things. So it seems more authentic, more sure. real, more to both audiences, really. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think I like that too. I mean, especially, I mean, of course, actors are professionals and they know how to act, but there's something about letting somebody speak th freely and allowing the spirit to flow through them, if that's the case for them, or, you know, just letting them have that authentic feel. It has, it has an energy behind it that acting can't produce. So, at least in my opinion. And I'm not a professional actor by any by any means, but yeah. in my experience, that's that's what I've noticed. So you know, there's one scene. I don't know if you want to, uh, if I could talk about one scene from a movie that was autobiographical that I put in there, which has touched probably more lives in this movie than than even the the main message. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm going to give it away, but that's okay. People can see it. it was I was uh, in Eugene Bible College and going to church three times a week at least and Bible college every day. And I would just kind of think, you know, the first commandment is love God with all your mind, heart, body, soul, and strength. And I was trying to be honest. I don't really feel that. I don't really, I, you know, I'm maybe lukewarm or I'm just, I just don't feel like I'm go that gung ho and that loving of God with everything I've got. So I went into, I was working at the time at a department store. I went into the break room and I just started meditating on, God is love, and then love is 1 Corinthians 13, God, love is patient, and putting the word God in there, and God is not selfish. God is long-suffering. What? You know? And so I said meditating and meditating on that, and then it just came to me, something I already knew in my mind, but God is my Father, and it was like a Holy Spirit moment and revelate, more of a emotional revelation. I knew it in my mind, Abba Father, but then I thought of my dad when I was a little boy, I called him daddy. And of course, that's what it says in Romans that Paul said that God is my father. So I'm meditating on the God is my daddy. And I'm thinking, that's all I'm thinking about for four or five minutes, mm -hmm. which is kind of strange. So I first step out of the locker room into the store right in front of me and, I, and I'm thinking, meditating, I love my daddy, is a little boy in a stroller with a young father, and written on the little boy was the words, I love my daddy. And to me, that was when heaven opens up and just became real. And then that answered my question, how can I love him with all my heart, minds? Because I feel like I love my earthly dad pretty much that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was my answer. And that was probably one of the most meaningful things that's ever happened in my life. And there's, there was a businessman an hour after the premiere who called me, said there's three scenes that really touched me. And, I, and he said the two, and I said, well, what was the one, the third? And he just started crying. And here's a guy I've known for a long time. I've never seen him cry or anything. He was, and it's touched a lot of people, that scene. So I don't mean to ruin it for people, but um, you'll get to know Paul and, and Tim, the main character, and you'll, I think it'll be good that way. But 
that was worth everything for me right there. I love that. I, I want to ask you something for all of the creators that are watching, and whether they're watching live or on the replay or listening on the podcast. I, I want this questions for them. And I and I'm speaking for myself when I say as a creator, you put yourself out there and you're creating the way you feel led to create. It, it comes a very vulnerable thing, especially if you're putting your heart into it and it's authentic and you put yourself out there and then you get negative feedback. It, it hurts your heart or it's hurt. I mean, in my case, it hurts my heart. It, it hurts my spirit. Sometimes I have to go, why am I doing this again? Do I need to change? Yeah. How do you as a creator, a filmmaker, a writer, a producer, when you put yourself out there through film, how do you feel about feedback? I know they're, like, you're critically acclaimed, but I know that you get some negative feedback. Yeah, oh yeah. How do you, how do you prepare your spirit for that? And like, how do you overcome it and to keep, you, keep it from discouraging you? Well, I just say to myself, these people are just not as enlightened as I am. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's not what I think. Um, it's kind of the Abraham Lincoln thing. You can, you know, please some of the people some of the time, but never can please all the people all the time. But yeah, I mean, I, we did a test market on Amazon Prime. We had two thirds of the people gave it five stars, but then I hear some of these one star reviews. And it's like, it's almost, it, in these cases, it's like, did you really see this film? <laughs> you know, and Lamson said it didn't show repentance in the film. Well, I can say like three times in the film there was repentance. Mm. It just didn't have the biblical or the churchy thing where I say the words repent, but there was a change of mind and a change of life. So some of that, if it's somebody, you know, fortunately it hasn't been from coming from people I know and respect. If that, then that would have really hurt. And I thought, oh man, I, I would have blown it or I should have done this differently. So I'm just fortunate on this one. I feel like uh, it has its criticism. It's kind of off base in a lot. I can understand though. Some people think this scene was too long or that was too much emphasis on the dating part of it. There was a, there's a dating part in the movie, a little romance and all that. They say that's that subtracted from Paul. Well, the fact that this guy met Paul and met this girl changed his life. I mean, it wouldn't have happened if he hadn't met Paul. So I don't think they see that. They're not seeing the whole picture. Mm. But yeah, I'm sensitive. I don't like criticism either, but most of what I've read just didn't make too much sense. <laughs> now, if there's production things, then I usually can agree. Well, yeah, this wasn't as big as Hollywood production as some people, but I've been satisfied even with the technical criticism pretty much yeah so how did you guys decide to go about distributing the film i know that right now i have it scrolling on the bottom here where people can go to the film translatedfilm.com to be able to watch what what was the decision or what was the motives behind the way you decided to distribute well this is the first big film the other one was a 60 minute christian film but this was much larger production and we got by the way let me just we got approval from Regal Theaters nation, National Headquarters to distribute this nationwide. It's not often that a smaller budget Christian film gets approval for a national audience. Sure. And we, and let me just self-promotion here, or not, a film promotion, not me, but we were only guaranteed one, uh, one week here in Regal Theaters. And uh, the first week we beat every every film, secular film, Mission Impossible, everyone but Crazy Rich Asians. When, and they were 34 people more showed up. So, I, and then we were there for three weeks and then had we had to get pulled out. But the, the distribution angle, we started with uh, the International Christian Film Festival in Orlando, Florida and, and pitched it there and got a couple of distributors interested. Um, like to be really candid, I'm in the first graduate class of CBN, Christian Broadcasting Network. And I had and my first film in 1985, the Christian film, I was on the 700 Club. So stupid me figured that I would be on the 700 Club for this one that's even bigger. You know, it's the only film ever made where a biblical character comes to our time is from all the distributors and people I've heard of. I don't know if you can think of a film where a biblical character like Paul or anybody comes to our time. 
So I thought it was a slam dunk, but it didn't happen. I mean, I didn't get on. So that was the first thing I thought would be an avenue for distribution. So then for them, I had started find, you know, talked to a bunch of distributors, decided on somebody from Nashville, Tennessee, good, good people, but just didn't seem to catch the vision as much as what I wanted. So now we're just pretty much doing it, getting endorsements and the social media and that way. Yeah. That, I hope that shows it. No, <laughs> no because here's the thing, like what I've learned in my brief experience from producing and trying to raise money for film and learning about distribution and how all of that works, pitching it to networks, like it's discouraging for some people because it's like they, they're, they're sold on doing it one way. And if it doesn't work out that way, they think that that's it, they're done. There are so yeah. many new possibilities. There's so many new ways to distribute where you can monet, you can still monetize your creation, but you don't have to do it the way that it's always been done. And especially yeah. with COVID, like I'm hoping that COVID has encouraged people to be able to see there's other ways to get your film, your show, your ministry distributed for the world to see. Bingo! That's we're on the Joshua show. <laughs> well, but it's not. It's not just. It's not just that though. I mean, utilizing online, utilizing technology. There's, there's so much there for you. And and I'm. I want. I, I really cannot wait to watch this movie because I love what you're doing with Paul. And it's funny is when you can do, take a, 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 a even though people know Paul's story that know the Bible, but doing it in the way that you're doing it it's helping people kind of fall in love or grow an attachment to Paul. And yeah. I believe that that indirectly makes them want to go to the Bible to, to, to discover more. And then that's where you find the heart of Jesus. That's where you find the promises. That's where you find the truth. So I that's love right. this angle that you've taken with Paul because it makes me more curious about Paul. And that I, and I, as much as I love, the Lord and I, I, I try to live my life in service to the Lord. Like I have a secular mindset in that with the ministry that we have, I want to go into the trenches where the secular world is. Like I want to make films that almost tricks the secular world into learning about Jesus. Like, so in other words, the movie that we're making, it's going to be extremely violent. It's going to make the people physically ill and some in some cases it's going to break people's heart but we're giving them all those things that they're looking for in secular films and secular tv shows but we're giving them the promise of jesus a part of it and that yeah, that's that's great and uh yeah i even i mean i've seen the film a hundred times my own but the farewell with paul there's a farewell you know and uh it is still some scenes still Get me emotional. I wanted, ironically, I talked about CBN, and I'm I totally love CBN. So I hope people don't take that the wrong way. But I actually went there last February, and the professor who wasn't there when I was there, but he's head of the film department. He's writing a book on Christian films. Andrew Quickie. He's from the BBC. A lot of experience. And the most satisfying thing is that my film was one of the best he's ever seen in Christian films. And he did mention one of the films that you mentioned before. And I won't say it again, but that genre of film, it was very satisfying to hear that he really got it. And he told his class that and, and the class got it too. So I can't ask for much more than that. So, well, yeah. so we'll see what happens with it. It's, uh, but the message to me is the most, it really is the most important thing. And, and there's, there's a young man that was about to commit suicide. I didn't know that that was in one of our baptism scenes. And then when we shot it, he talked to his mother and said, I want to be baptized for real. And I thought, oh, come on, you know, <laughs> this is probably uh, just an emotional thing. But anyway, his life has turned around. Uh, not, you know, going to a college now and, and getting a job and no suicide anymore. I mean, that's, that's really, that's a treasure in heaven for sure. Oh, I, that's. And that's inspiring to me too, because again, it's any way that we can lead people to the redemption power of the Lord, we have to do it. There are so many people that are hurting and 
Christians get to think outside of the box. We don't need to be scared. First of all, Hollywood doesn't matter anymore. Hollywood's proved to be more irrelevant than ever, especially during COVID. Where have they been? They're not helping it. They're not paying anyone's bills. They're only bailing out protesters. So they're not doing anything. They don't have, they don't matter to us as much anymore. So what this means is Christians, believers, now's your time. Don't be afraid. If you're a creative, make some Christian films, make some Christian TV shows, launch a ministry. You don't know who out there that you're going to motivate and who you're going to change their life, who you're going to lead to the Lord. And maybe they're the person that can go transform Hollywood. Like we need films like this. We need people to step up. I love Jerry. I, I absolutely love, again, the whole concept of this film. I cannot wait for our family to watch it and, and of course be able to support it any way we can to help spread the word. Well, thank you. The easiest way is translatedfilm.com. Yes. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking, though, I don't have time for one little... One you know, more say, you know, say anything you want. I was, I looked for sound, lighting, camera people. It didn't matter if they're Christian or non-Christian. It just happened to be, it turned out on second or third tries, it was, it was all Christian crew. But I told them, this is a Christian film. There are people in here who are not believers at all, the actors. Um, if we don't present a good example, this this really this movie means nothing, you know. Even if it was a good, even if it turned out well, but it's more important that it's how we treated the actors and actresses, or otherwise, what it's just a, a gong. Uh, what's Paul say? <laughs> a sounding gong, an empty, an empty gun, a symbol, you know, in First uh, Corinthians thirteen. So. The amazing thing is one of the most prominent actors who was not a Christian said that every day was magical for him. Mm. So that was my, hey, we got it right, you know. So, and it wasn't a crossword the whole time, <laughs> getting another getting another crew together for another film. And I said, this is a standard now. <laughs> and he said, yeah, I don't know if we can do that, but we'll try. Oh man, I, I don't know. I, I just keep like I just keep feeling in my spirit that God's going to do something really special with this film, and and I know and and whatever it is that you have you're working on. You mentioned that at the very beginning of the interview. You're working yeah. on something. I think God's going to do something special with that. And if there's anything that we can do to help support, you know, please let us know because I, again, I'm very very passionate about transforming Hollywood, and Hollywood can be anywhere: Minneapolis, Minnesota. Hollywood really can be, gets to be anywhere now, anywhere in the world. So when I say Hollywood, uh, I don't mean actually in LA, I mean really the film yeah. industry. We through film, in the media, we get to transform the world with the messages that we can deliver through creative content. And so I really believe that the Lord is going to bless your next project, is gonna bless this project. And again, anything we can do to support it because I wanna see Man, I gotta be honest, I'm really, really tired of seeing the faces hurting. You know, everyone's got their mouth covered, but you can see in their eyes the pain, the despair, the hopelessness, like the the anger, the rage, and it kills me. And no. I wanna see it change, and I really believe that film is the way to do it. And so- it It's nice when you have a, especially a theater, I hope we can get the theaters, because then you have no distractions. You know, and that's, that's, I really, that's, I, you know, to have it, my film being shown on the big screen and we, we had like four or five showings a day for three weeks in the summer or late summer, not once was there an empty seat. Some of the other big films I would go in, peek in and, and there weren't anybody there at 11 in the morning, you mm -hmm. know, in the summer, but the last showing, there was nobody there but me. And I just had to kind of pinch myself this huge screen. And, and, and I got a guy who was just going to be a coach making a film, you know, that's touching people. It's, I mean, it is a God thing. And to me, it's not something I never ever would have thought I'd be doing. Hold on. I got to address this comment really quick. My, my friend sure. Marty says, would love to make movies, but seems impossible for no experience. Hence support those that are, will you speak to that? Please, sir. Well, I'm. Uh, 
I'm a senior citizen, and so well, I mean, but I started quite early. Well, in my twenties, I don't know how old Marty is, but the nice thing now is you can get it for two thousand dollars, a camera that shoots four K. You can. It's so much. It is easier now than it used to be. You had to have a hundred thousand dollar camera or more just to shoot something that was worthy, and so. Just start. I mean, just start doing little things and and do high quality in the short little things you do. And then, if you've got a message that that needs to be told, uh, somebody else is probably going to like that message too. That's what one of the authors of that New York Times bestselling author said. He thought, well, who cares about this message? But he was so surprised. He got paid by Simon and Schuster 4.5 million for the rights to his book. <laughs> that was he didn't think was anybody was necessarily going to like, you know. He just wrote it for his family, so don't. And look at me; I wasn't even going to do any yearbook. That's how I got started in photography, and and that wasn't what I was planning. So don't, you know, don't count yourself out. Do what you can do, and and get together with you know creative people. I got training at CBN. I didn't just. You know, if you can get some training at, at community college, whatever, Marty, uh, don't know your whole story, but uh, if you've got that desire, try it, try it. I mean, maybe it is for you, maybe it isn't, but at least you won't have any regrets that you tried that's it. That's true. Oh, that's good. I, I mean, I, I never in my wildest dreams thought I would end up in movies and all of that stuff, and it happened on accident, but, the, you know, God kind of ushers you and moves you into position, and next thing you know, you're going from being there just to bring the energy to going, hey, you you look bald and scary. Can you play this part? And next thing you know, you're getting a speaking role. And then, but and when you show up on set, the one thing I've learned, the best advice I can give to anybody um, is if you're wanting to figure out the film or TV industry, like go be an extra and being an extra. And when you're on set, just like Marty, you have a look that you would be an easy extra to get a role, but just be ready. Like have a good attitude because most of the people that get hired as extras are sitting there on their phone, not paying attention. I'm that guy that's sitting by the director going, I'm trying to like learn what he's doing. Like I want to understand everything. And then through that, I always looked ready and I started getting put into parts. So every acting gig I've ever gotten was literally from being an extra or just being picked off. You know, I was just doing nothing except looking ready. And that's how I got opportunities, but I never in my wildest dreams thought I would actually write a movie and now about to film a movie, but you start somewhere is the point. So you can go to Craigslist and look under, um, uh, uh, there's talent gigs that you can look under. There's extra roles all the time. There's so many different ways. You can always reach out to me and I can send you stuff, Marty or anyone else that's watching. But all it is, all it takes is getting your foot in the door and if you have a heart's passion for it, I promise you doors will open. Good advice. And I, I must say for those who are watching this, the guy who lit me here is fired. Because <laughs> I'm I'm not lit as nicely as you are. And so uh, even I, I mean, you know, I'm sorry that I, I don't show up. I'm kind of in the darkness here, but <laughs> oh, it's I, guess, I don't know how it shows if it looks that way to you, but. No, it's I no, it's 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 fine. I mean, it's it's kind of catch. It's kind of with the home cameras and all that stuff. It's not always like flawless. I mean, sometimes my camera goes out, so don't worry about that. I apologize. Uh, at I, least you don't have to see me as I really am. So that might be easier on the audience. <laughs> There's somebody oh, joining you. Hey. This is my uh, this is my better half, Jessica. Do you have a question? Yeah. Well, I just wanted to chime in and say that we can help you figure out what you need to fix all of the lighting and shadows because that's kind of what we do. He's in film. Well, I know, I, but I know that's not like that. fancy. We can do it like yeah. real easy. Well, I could have done it easily too. I just got lazy or something. I Thank you though for the offer, but I You're do know so what- I'm sorry, I was so into your guys' <laughs> conversation. I wanted to sneak in. Thank you, Jessica. Yeah. Nice to meet you. It's good to meet you too. He's never made a movie. He knows nothing about lighting. I just wanted to talk to him. I know. You could have just said hi anyway. I know. <laughs> lighting, lighting is the thing that's most irritating doing on movie because you have to wait for so long. Because I kind of grew up doing more documentary, just point shoot TV type news stuff. And you didn't have to worry too much about the lighting. But uh, 
So that's a thing I <laughs> through this movie is just the patience of waiting for lighting. Mm. But that's okay. That's actually really interesting. It is. Photographers. Uh, do we have a question. Oh yeah, okay. that's right. A specific time. Okay, go on. Um, so Murray would like to know: Do you all look for life stories? So I'm. A, I'm. A, I guess are you looking for people's stories to film? That's the next one I'm doing. Yes, true story from the 1870s, American Indian. Oh wow! And uh, for, uh, going out there to Nebraska next week. Uh, fantastic true story, and unlike Hollywood, it is true. If you ever saw the movie, do you ever see the movie The Revenant with Leonardo DiCaprio? Yes, I did. The whole pr premise was he was going out to seek revenge for the person who killed his son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He never had a son. He never went to get revenge. It all happened in the summer. Didn't happen in the, this is a two person, Hugh Glass, happened in the winter in the movie. Uh, in real life, he went and forgave the people who left him. He didn't kill anybody, didn't have a son. I mean, in this story, your wife asked about, you know, real, I, I like real testimonies, true stories. And this one has a broad audience. It's, it's, she was a Christian, but that's not the main message. It's social justice. Mm -hmm. Justice for the American Indian, with white people contributing and uh, the Indian people. So it was a cooperative effort, which we—it's a good message for right now. I think. Oh, it's it's needed because I think it's really easy. I mean, one of the things that I've learned, and I don't want to like point at any group, so I'll point the finger at myself. When I grew up hating my father for everything that he did, for all the reasons why I hated him. And that was that crippled my ability to grow because I was stuck in this anger and hatred and it was affecting every part of my life. After I was able to forgive him and let go, that's also coincidentally when I found Jesus. But what I learned through the process of forgiveness was I started to recognize there was another side to the story of my trauma. Yes, everything I experienced was not good, but there was another side of it. And my point in bringing that up is Right now, we're pointing out a lot of specific groups that now need to get, uh, I forgot what the word, uh, retro, not retro. Uh, basically, now we need to pay more attention to this group because we've, we've, we've killed them, we've destroyed them, we've done all yeah. of the past. I always look at that and I think about the Muslim, the Chinese Muslims right now that are being put, sold into slavery. No one talks about that. I look at what happened to, I'm Native American, what happened to Native Americans? Oh, what tribe are you? I'm not talking about that, but there's other oh. <laughs> there's other groups from all throughout time that millions have been murdered, millions have been enslaved, and we're not talking about that. So it inspires me for you to do this film, and I would get behind a film like that for sure because it will help people see we are human. We've made a lot of bad mistakes, and evil has been at work this entire time. Right. But for healing to happen, we have to get to the truth. Yes, and you and people are multi-layered. They're not. It's not all. Excuse the black and white. And I'm not talking about race. It's. Yeah, um, I understand what you mean. It's one of the one of the heroes of the whole movie is a white man, um, whose job was to be an Indian fighter, but yet he's the one who, who who created the situation where Indians for first American Indians, Native Americans were first given legal rights, considered human beings. That's what this movie is about. So, um, but you know, that guy, he killed Indians, you know? Uh, and so it's, <laughs> you just can't say he's evil and this one's good. And, you know, of course, anyway, it's, it's a multi-layered thing. And, and that's what reality is. It's not just this, this stereotypical, white man's bad, Indian good, all that, you know, and, and vice versa. Well, I believe that God rewards truth and, you know, and, and, and delivers. I think that God is also going to anything with heart behind it, a heart for the Lord. I think God is going to do something supernatural with and anything that we can do uh, to help promote this film and or the next one also. Uh, We're behind. I, I want to thank you so much for your all of your time. I I really enjoyed this. I could ask you 85 million questions um, because I'm fascinated by what you do and your expertise. And, you know, so I, I hope to uh, continue a conversation again sometime. And, and again, we'll, uh, anything we can do to support you, let us know. 
Well, thank you. I want to support you too. And uh, people who do rent or buy the, the film translated, it's translatedfilm.com. A portion of that we want to go to to your ministry. Uh, I didn't. We, we didn't talk this over, but it's very kind of complicated to see where those those uh, orders come from. So for the what well, this sounds like a big TV thing, but for the next until Monday, those who order this percentage of it will go to your ministry. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, anybody who orders translated will some of the proceeds will go to your ministry. Yes, sir. Well, that means a lot, and I, I appreciate you agree to those terms. <laughs> well, sir, thank you so much for your time, and um, you have a blessed rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joshua. Nice to meet you in, per in person, so to speak, virtually yes. in person. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. God bless, man. You too. Thank you. Man, I really enjoyed that. I, I hope you guys did too. Um, and you check out the film. It's scrolling here on the bottom, translatedfilm.com. And just such a cool story. And you could kind of get a sense of the heart behind the film and what it's about. Um, but definitely check it out. And frankly, I think that we all could uh, be, uh, I think we would all benefit from watching an uplifting movie that was able to portray the heart of Jesus uh, through, through other characters even. So, and Paul, of course, uh, for the Christian community is quite a big deal. And uh, to see a story about Paul uh, told in this way, I think is super, super cool. So anyway, uh, thank you guys for being here. This is I Am Joshua, and we are on the Live Mono Worldwide Network. Thank you for your support. And God bless. Thanks, everyone.